when I was younger, and this is going to be super cliche, but a lot of the pilots my age, we all watched Top Gun. I don't know if you've seen it, the movie with Tom Cruise. He's on an aircraft carrier, yeah, and he gets launched, and you watch it, and you're like, wow, that is the most badass job in the world. And so when I was um, in my teenage years, my older brother watched that movie. Like We went through a period where we watched it like every single day. And I think that kind of drew him towards the military. And then I kind of watched it. And I, just from being young, since I grew up with two brothers, I kind of wanted to do a job that would, that would make people say exactly what you said. Wow. Like she is so badass. Look at her go. She's the only girl in a group of boys that's doing, you know, I just, I wanted to prove, um, I wanted to prove something, but I don't know who I was proving it to. (laughs) I don't know if it was for my parents or, or for what, because growing up now, it definitely wasn't for myself. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hello, hello, and welcome to Girl Skill Podcast, where twice a week we're having an insightful conversation with an amazing woman about her life story, her version of success, and her femininity, so we can all learn from the lessons she's learned along the way and apply it into our lives too. And today is no different, and because I'm so excited to present to you our guest today, who is a U.S. Navy uh, helicopter pilot. Her name is Shelby. But before I tell you about this such an amazing episode let me tell you a couple of quick update from my side I felt like you know I'd get vulnerable and share with you my listeners um, what's going on with me and my journey with girl skills so uh, a couple of days ago so as you might have known but probably you you didn't uh, I actually have hired a helper like a virtual assistant uh, project manager slash Instagram or everything to help me with you know research for the episodes and taking all the show notes and um, also managing Instagram um, so she's been with me for quite a while now you know posting so I've been writing I've been reviewing and and writing uh, some of the captions on Instagram and all of that and and honestly, I haven't been doing Instagram, uh, girl skill Instagram for, for the longest time. Because uh, I, these are one of the things that, you know, like I really want to focus on creating content and Instagram for me, social media and posting all of that. Well, what I realized, and, and so now and so now that she has left, um, because of many different reasons, uh, mostly it didn't really work out until the end. I just needed something else. Um, but I also needed to, I realized that I actually needed to do it by myself. Um, and having said that, you know, one of the lessons I'm learning in entrepreneurship is delegating is great. Um when you know when you've done it yourself and you can teach someone else and and all of that but you know Instagram and these social media channels are really um, a place where I can communicate with the audience and with the followers in 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 the voice that only I know how to speak in you know it's it's I know that people exist that will speak in my voice and what is girl skill and everything but it's really really hard and especially at this point in the beginning um so so yeah I'll be on Instagram uh please come and uh, check us out and uh, provide me or um see like send me some words of encouragement comment on some of the pictures because uh I'm on my I'm on my own um 
and it terrifies me a bit like it just seems like such a big job you know but I'll do it I'll take it easy and I'll do it and have some fun and I, I um, hope to engage with you on Instagram so go, go to at girlskill official so it's girlskill official and uh, say hello check out some photos and um, yeah and I'm, I'm gonna be getting help um, from someone anyways like a virtual assistant but just to take um, you know show notes and listen to the episodes and do a bit of research on guests that I really don't need to do but Instagram seems to be the stuff that I you know the channels where I can interact by myself and and you can feel it right like when um when posts are posts and you're like what what are they talking about so you can feel it um yeah, so that's a quick little update. I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this, whether you had a similar experience, if you're in the business or not. Yeah, just hop on on Instagram and tell me what you think about the whole thing in our account. Okay, let's get into our episode today. Oh my gosh, this episode is incredible. So let me tell you how I met Shelby. So Shelby is actually, so I'm part of this um, location-dependent entrepreneur group. And I met this guy, Ben, who is super into CrossFit. And he actually has his own online business and where he's like uh he has like a viral youtube channel and crossfit teaching people how to do crossfit um in the right way and so we started talking to him at this conference that i went and talking talking and then he lives in japan i'm like oh japan very cool what are you doing in japan he's like my wife is a u.s navy helicopter pilot so she's been deployed in japan for three years we've done two years already one more to go and i'm like uh what <laughs> you know and I was like oh my gosh and the idea came to my mind and I said and I was a bit like oh I'm not sure if this is gonna like if she's gonna say yes or whatever so I told him and he said yeah you know Shelby would love to talk to you on the podcast about this recently she's been at TEDx I think it was in India or in Africa somewhere and people are just so curious about her story and she's so vocal about it. it's like oh my god this would be amazing and so one of the other realizations I had was like you know I was looking at this guy he's like super tough so he's super masculine and I you know you can feel it in a man when he's like super masculine tough and I immediately thought wow that's really interesting this guy is super masculine and tough and his wife is in the military I wonder how that dynamic works and so you know it passed a couple of weeks and blah blah but then and then I managed to get this interview and I was so excited so I did a lot of research on this episode and what was really surprising to me, so right, I, I went into this interview being like, okay, this is such a badass woman, she's tough, you know, like imagine US Navy on a ship, like flying helicopters in Japan, like this woman is on top of her game and everything. And so <laughs> I was shocked and surprised by how vulnerable she got and by how she basically broke down all of my stereotypes of her motivation to be in the military and all of that. So let me tell you a bit of a story. You shouldn't be able to tell the difference between Shelby's room that she shares with six other female pilots and an average college girl's place full of Christmas lights, mermaid blankets, Polaroid photos, and a projected white sheet to watch movies on. Besides the fact that their room is all metal walls on a massive boat with a capacity of 5,000 people that are all serving in the U.S. military on deployment in Japan. Shelby blames the Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise as well as her brothers for inspiration to become a pilot. She was always striving to fly jets in the military, but scored only one point short on her qualifications and ended up flying in the rotary wing, which, which is basically helicopters. So you're not in the you're not in the in combat. 
she got deployed for her first mission in Japan just after graduation. Her husband follows her. She's only 26, by the way, which, I, which is incredible. She confesses that her primary motivation for going into the military was to prove to everyone else that she can do it. She wanted that special, oh my God, wow, you're a female pilot in the U.S. Navy. That's pretty badass reaction. And uh, she got it. You know, she got the praise, the wonder and the amazement from everyone. But she had also gotten amazingly hard challenges of such a rough job of always trying to blend in with the guys, the insane competition, the hard working hours off and on deployment and the need to always strive to be better than everyone else. And she shares all of that on this episode, which I'm so grateful. She also confesses that she does cry after work and it's really, really hard for her. Being a feminist in the classic sense of the word, she praises equal opportunities and rights, but she refuses to blend in with the guys blindly and because she says certain differences just can't be ignored. She shares with us her regular day on the ship during deployment at sea, where besides her regular flying duties, she also manages her squadron of 29 sailors. Now, on this episode, we'll also talk about the dynamics of her husband being in the mili- being a military spouse and the harsh fate military women have were getting pregnant actually is not an option. This was very tough for me to hear, actually. And we talk about much, much more. And of course, stay until, until the end where Shelby shares with our two apps to get your world top stories daily, as well as getting your diet and daily calorie intake in place. Two blogs or magazines to follow that will take you on a fascinating adventure around the world. And three big books on conquering your ego, following your dreams, and also a survival story of three young Sudanese boys. All right, enjoy this episode, and I'll See you at the end. Girl skill, female success redefined. Shelby, welcome to Girl Skill Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, me too. You are the U.S. Navy helicopter pilot. Um, you say you are one. Was it one of the three women in your? We so we have six pilots and seven female officers in our command. Okay, out of how many? Um, out of 30, probably 25 to 30 pilots and same 25 to 30 officers. Cool. Uh, so yes. I'm very excited to be talking to you today about what it is to be a woman in U.S. Navy, what it is to be a woman as a helicopter pilot. I just saw your pictures and that is totally badass. And I know you say it's, it looks, it looks, uh, you know, it doesn't look as cool or it's not as cool as people think, yeah. but I'm, I'm still very excited to be talking to you about it. Um, thanks so much for joining us. This is a very exciting conversation for me personally, because I never uh, had a woman in, in that particular kind of masculine role, so to say, or role that yeah. uh, not a lot of people talk about. And I know you were passionate about it as well. So can't wait to get into that. But first, we're going to get into our blitz questions that I, uh, I ask all women on the show. So oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. Don't worry. You fly freaking helicopters. So yeah. <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. I'll see. <laughs> okay. So um, Shelby, what is the book that you plan on reading? Ooh, a book that I plan on reading. Um, so I want to finish The Looting Machine. That's one my husband gave me, and it's about um, in Africa where our resources come from, and it goes into the um, corporate, how the corporate monsters have pretty much kind of desolated a lot of villages um, in different regions in southern Af- Africa. So yeah, okay, that's really interesting. So hard to read, but I want to finish yeah. it. 
Okay. What is the one thing that you can't live without? Ooh, food. <laughs> Any particular food? That's acceptable ice cream. Is that an acceptable answer? Yes, that is very acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> ice cream. Okay, cool. If you had a tattoo, where and what would it be? If I, so I have a tattoo, but if I got another one, um, it would be on my wedding finger and it would be a wedding band because I've been trying to convince my husband to do that with me because we can't wear rings in the aircraft or anything. So I just want to get a tattoo of it. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know about you, that you can't wear rings. Why is that? Um, it can be a hazard if it drops or breaks off and in, inside the aircraft mm. goes in the rock. So no yeah. accessories either or anything like that. No. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll get to all of that good stuff uh, <laughs> a bit later, but we're already talking about it. I love it. Uh, what is the best gift that you've ever received? The best gift I've ever received. Um, gosh, I have a lot. Uh, this summer, my husband gave me a 19... 96 Nissan camper van that we are currently remodeling. And I don't think I've screamed as loud or as high pitched in my entire life. So that was Oh cool. my God, that's amazing. That's a great yeah. gift. You've got a great husband. Yeah. I actually met him. I met him at a conference. That's how we actually connected through him. Yeah. He's, a, he's a great guy. Uh, pretty awesome. awesome. And what is the best gift that you've ever given? Um, best gift I've ever given. I think I'm probably, I'm probably still waiting for that one. I mean, I've given great gifts to my husband and family and friends and stuff, but we, my husband and I want to adopt one day. And I think that would be a pretty cool gift. So whenever we get around to doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually thinking about it as well, but I think for me, it's going to be after I have at least one or two of, of, of our own children. That would be yeah. the next step. Yeah. Good for you guys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to talk about children and family as well in this episode because yeah. that's really interesting too. Um, okay. Who is your girl crush? Taylor Swift. 100%. Taylor Swift? Yeah. 100%. Oh, okay. I, I love Tay Tay. I've been listening to her music where she's, I think, one year older than me. So I've been listening to her since I was like 13 years old. How old are you now? Uh, 26. 26? So, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think you were that. Okay. Wow. That's pretty young. Yeah, My goodness. So, okay. Awesome. 13 years. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what is your biggest fear? So, okay. My number one fear is throwing up, which surprises a lot of people. I absolutely hate throwing up you can ask my husband the one I've gotten I've thrown up twice in the past eight years and I remember both of them and I hated both of them that's that's yeah that's I my think number one fear and then my, pretty bad I my the worst thing that can happen to me as well physically yeah. I think is that I don't know what is it really but it's just such an oh I can't stand it yeah yeah I'll jump off cliffs. I'm not afraid of heights or anything like that, but throwing up, no. No, <laughs> That's it's funny. not. That's not fun. Okay. And you wanted to mention something else too? Uh, getting pregnant is my second biggest fear. Um, as in like yeah. you don't want to do it or you want to do it, but you're scared? I don't really want to do it. No. 
don't want to do it. I, I tell all of my girlfriends right now, a lot of them have recently had babies and I'm like, amen. Good for you guys. I don't know how you do it. I'm not interested. <laughs> so, so funny. yeah, I just, I don't, I have a very maternal instinct. Like I want to have a lot of kids. I just don't want to give birth to them myself. <laughs> okay. So, um, interesting. Yeah, well, there, there are a lot of alternatives out there and you already mentioned adoption as well. So yeah. yeah interesting. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what is the hardest part about being a woman? Ooh, the hardest part about being a woman. Um, probably finding your independence. Um, I think we are raised, or at least I was from a very young age to, and not no doing of my own parents, but just in the culture that we grow up in. Women are wives. They belong in the household. You get married to a man who makes all the money. He provides for you. You get divorced. You sue him, take all his, you know what I mean? Like just finding your own independence and not having to depend on a man or woman or anyone else for that matter, um, I think is really difficult. Okay. I think it takes us a while to work through that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is the best part about being a woman? Oh, um... Getting to eat as much chocolate as you want once a month. <laughs> once a month. Okay, I think that's face. really important. <laughs> yeah. During that special time each month, stuffing your with ice cream and chocolate. Oh, man. Love it. Okay. And my last question for this part is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about life right now and why? Um, Probably like a, I don't know, probably like a 7 or 8. Kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that portion of my life where I'm trying to figure out my independence and what my next step is and who I actually want to become as an adult. So I'm excited for that. Um, and my job has definitely forced me to look at that, but it is, my job is very difficult. It's a hard job to do. So, yeah. All right. So now that we've talked about all of that and got a glimpse into your yeah. uh, personality, tell us uh, tell us who you are, Shelby, and where you come from, what you do. Okay. So my name is Shelby. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, um, and I am a helicopter pilot in the United States Navy. That's pretty or short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, you've been very kind of succinct in your answer, and I'll ask you a lot of questions and we'll get into your story. But I want to ask you first, do you consider yourself successful and why? Um, do I consider myself successful? I think maybe by someone else's standards, they would consider me successful um, from the outside looking in. Do I consider myself successful? I don't. I, I think I'm just beginning my journey into who I want to become and what I want to do with my life. And I view my job right now as a stepping stone to forming me into the person that I'll be for whatever comes next. Um, so I don't know. My goal growing up as a little girl when I was a teenager was to become a pilot. Like that's all, that's all I thought about. I was like, I'm going to be a pilot. It's going to be so badass. People are going to think I'm so cool, which is you know, like you and I've talked about exactly what people think when they, when you say you're a pilot, they're like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. But, um, there's a whole nother side to it that you don't really understand as a child, how difficult of a job it is or what you're really getting yourself into. 
And I don't view this job right now as my end all be all. So I've, I've reached that goal as a little girl being a pilot. I'm here, but I'm not satisfied. So. Mm, okay. Well, we're going to talk about that kind of a dark side of things, right? Um, in, 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 in your story. Um, so my next question, uh, which I'm really curious to, to hear what you have to say, uh, what is femininity for you? What is femininity? Um, oh gosh, lots of things. <laughs> mm. Um, I think it would be not trying to blend in with the guys, uh, not trying to be, you know, you've got lots of girls who, and I was so guilty of this growing up, trying to be the tomboy in the group or trying to be the, just as strong as the guys or just as good at them, um, at different things or just run, you know, be able to hang with the boys. And I grew up with two brothers. So that, that came kind of naturally for me, but as I'm growing older, I'm realizing that, um, I wish as girls, we weren't afraid to embrace the different sides of us that we have that men don't. So I guess femininity is, you know, being able to cry, just being able to cry. I cry mm. a lot. People don't think that about me. They're like, I've never seen you cry. Oh my gosh. My roommate in college, Tori, when she, when she first saw me cry, she's like, that's the first time I've ever seen you cry. I don't, I didn't think you could do that. I'm like, yes, I can cry. <laughs> and, you, and you don't get to do that at the job that you're at. No, uh, you can't cry at work, but I cry after work a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my husband's and, and that's, I, it's a natural thing for men or women. Um, I think people are scared to be vulnerable and cry in front of other people, but we all do it. It's not some dirty secret that you need to hide, but hide, but especially being a woman, we, you know, once a month we have hormones and they come hard and fast and you know, it increases your emotions. And I think not being afraid to embrace that instead of feeling like you're going to be judged for it. Um, it's not a secret that women get their period. Every single woman on the planet gets her period. It's not a secret either. So I think being able to, you know, embrace that instead of try and hide it or shy away from being emotional when, it, when there are times that need to be emotional. I think that's femininity. I think what you, I mean, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit surprised by your answer uh, in a good way because uh, women who do these kind of jobs are very, in very masculine environments, masculine jobs, um, are generally, what I expected of this interview is for you not to be talking about these things and, and be one of the dudes, you know, because like, that's, oh God, you know, no. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, Okay, she said it, you know, because I like I'm that that's what I'm working towards as well. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on out there. And my mission with Girl Skill is to, um, well, explore femininity, explore success, what it means to different women. But at the same time, um, at the same time, make us all aware or remind us all that there are biological differences that we need to respect and accept and um, understand Absolutely. how 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 we work with it. And I feel like, you know, what you're talking about is really interesting because you are saying that from a perspective of a helicopter pilot, but the same th thing happens in corporate jobs or in any kind of jobs. And I've been one yeah. of those women who have completely disregarded my period um, or the fact that I simply physically am not able to perform on my first day of the cycle just because everything hurts. Um, yeah. And I feel like our world is in that state right now, just simply not 
acknowledging the fact that we bleed and uh, sometimes it's really painful and there's a lot of issues there. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yes, if a helicopter pilot can say that and feels that, yeah, uh, like that, that means something. So um, cool. Thanks for sharing that, Shelby. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, let's get into your story. So uh, you already mentioned that as a little girl, you were, you always wanted to be a pilot, uh, right? So where did that come from? Uh, for, for all of my research, I've, I know that I, like all of these women who become pilots or go into these kind of traditional masculine roles, were mostly influenced by um, someone in their life that has done it right I, like usually their father for example or an event yeah. uh, that has really shaken them and motivated them to do this because this is really unusual like what you're doing is unusual and you you're like because i know it said something like it's one percent one or two percent of all pilots are actually female pilots so yeah how did you get to that um so i don't you know i have i went through flight school with five other girls who were my best friends going through flight school. I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for them. Um, we got really lucky and we were kind of known, our group was kind of known as, you know, the, the girls in the class that we were in, the, the only girls of, of that class. Um, so we stuck together and we all lived together. And for some of them, you know, they're either their parents were in the military or their dad was a pilot, just like you said, or they had an event. But for me, it wasn't really that simple. Um, my older brother is also a helicopter pilot. So people always are like, oh, you're following in his footsteps. And like, no, I am trying not to. But um, I guess our personalities were attracted to the same thing. But um, when I was younger, and this is going to be super cliche, but a lot of the pilots my age, we all watched Top Gun. I don't know if you've seen it, the movie with Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. He's on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, and he gets launched and you watch it and you're like, wow, that is the most badass job in the world. And so when I was um, in my teenage years, my older brother watched that movie. Like We went through a period where we watched it like every single day. And I think that kind of drew him towards the military. And then I kind of watched it. And I, just from being young, since I grew up with two brothers, I kind of wanted to do a job that would, that would make people say exactly what you said. Wow. Like she is so badass. Look at her go. She's the only girl in a group of boys that's doing, you know, I just, I wanted to prove, um, I wanted to prove something, but I don't know who I was proving it to. <laughs> I don't know if it was for my parents or, or for what, because growing up now, it definitely wasn't for myself. Um, so yeah, just growing up, I saw Top Gun and I wanted to be a fighter pilot going through college and flight school. I still was like, I want to be a fighter pilot in college. They wrote like a, I was, I was in a sorority and they, they did a newspaper article about, you know, it was titled like not your average sorority girl. And they interviewed me about how I was a midshipman in ROTC at the university of Maryland, how I wanted to go be a fighter pilot. And then when I got to flight school, um, I was one point shy of the grade required to make it to fixed wing, which is what you, you have to, you get through flight school at the first portion and you hit a separation point where you have this NSS and it's your grade. And if you're over, I think it's like a 51 or a 50, you can select fixed wing and have the opportunity to go for jets. And if you're under it, then you have to do um, helicopters or something else. And I was one point shy 
of being able to go jets. And so, ju just to interrupt, so that so one point yeah. jets meaning as you would fly, fight. Um, how would you explain the the difference? So you have in flight school you have rotary wing, which is helicopters, and you have fixed wing, which those are the two paths you can take as a pilot. And fixed wing is like um, F-18s. Um, so Hornets, or you can do P-8s or P-3s now. I, I have no idea what that means. So these are like, these are like aircraft that have wings, like a normal airplane. Oh, I see. Sorry. Okay. You're going to have to remind me if I'm talking. Yeah, like, yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll be asking you, all, what does that mean? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Okay. So I see. So basically in the middle, like, but this is all U.S. military. You were already. Yeah, all U.S. military. Yep. All mm -hmm. US military. So you wanted to go for those, to fly those planes with wings, meaning like you would be in combat or flying jets or go really into these kind of jobs. Yep. I wanted to originally fly F-18s, which are the jets that you see that take off and land on aircraft carriers. I don't know if you've seen that before or not. Um, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Okay. It's, so it's what's in Top Gun. It's exactly what's in Top Gun. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was my original mission. And then um, I was one point shy. And I also just talked to my brother. He He's a um, he's a pilot for the Army, a helicopter pilot. And he's been deployed to the Middle East. And he's actually seen combat. And we had some discussions. And he was just like, I don't think this side of it is for you. And he kind of just, you know, told me how difficult it could be. And realize that my personality was, I want to, I want to rescue people. I want to save people. I don't, I don't want to drop bombs on them or employ ordnance on them. And, you know, joining the military and even being a helicopter pilot, I have weapons on my aircraft and you have to be able to do that and learn how to do that. Um, but I thought going helicopters would enable me to get rescues and make a difference in saving people's lives rather than the latter. So, so just to clarify, I, um, so my first question, let's go back a little bit. Cause I think what you said right there, I find it fascinating where you said, I wanted to prove to someone and, 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 and everyone else, probably not to myself that I can do it. And, um, this is, this is actually a theme in my life right now. And I see <clears throat> not all women, but I feel like a lot of us are trying to prove that we can do it to everyone else. Yeah. And at some yeah. point, we prove it to everyone else, we prove it to us. And then it happened to me as well. Obviously, I like I didn't go to fly helicopters, but I succeeded, quote unquote, in a different field of like marketing online, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. So it's a constant battle for proving yourself, I don't know to whom and why. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, at least personally, when I sat down and really kind of looked at me and what I want, it wasn't that. It doesn't, it didn't, like for me, it, it doesn't matter now. I, I'm not proving anything to anyone. I'm just living my life yeah. in the way that I want to live it and really kind of embracing who I am. So I found that really interesting. And so let me, let me follow up a question to that. So your main motivation to get into, you know, military and, um, like aviation all of that was to, to, to feel the badass, uh, girl that yes. you think you could possibly yeah. be. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily what you really, really wanted deep inside. 
No, it wasn't. Um, and it's taken me a while to come to this realization. You know, you want to tell everyone, oh, I want to serve my country. I want to do good for other people. I want to, you know, I want to go serve in the military and do my time and all this. And excuse my language, but for me, that was a bunch of bullshit. Like, that's not why I did it. And it took me a long time to come to that realization. Maybe that's what I told people growing up is, oh, I want to serve or I want to be in the military and be, you know, respected and and do something good for my country. That had nothing to do with it. It was purely ego. That's, Mm. that's literally what it was. It was purely ego. I like it when people tell me that I have a badass job and it was, it wasn't from some good deep part of myself. It was actually from a really selfish part of myself. Um, and that's why I kept doing it was because your, your ego and your, you know, getting attention and stuff from other people for thinking you do a badass job or for doing something is very evil and very strong. And, uh, it's not until really this year and last year that I realized that that's why I've stuck with it so long. That is really interesting. And I think it's very courageous that you talk about it uh, because a lot of, and, you know, being a helicopter pilot, it takes even more courage, right? Because a lot of the women, I suppose, well, I, I actually don't, how many women do you think actually do that because of the ego and not because really they want to, like, that's really what they want to do? Um, I don't know. It's It's hard to... You know, with my girlfriends I went through flight school with, we all had a lot of similar emotions and we were all, you know, best friends and we could come home and cry together and complain or do whatever we needed to do to vent and get it out. We were, we were all very honest, but when you get to your command, you're competing with your fellow officers and the women, um, it's, I have a great group right now. I absolutely love them. Everyone is amazing, but it's hard to, break through a shell of actually being sincere and talking about these things because they're your peers and you're competing with them. Hmm. And you don't competing want Competing in, to... in what sense? Competing in what sense? To get the, like, to get promoted, get the next job or, or in what sense? Yeah, we get, we get ranked after. So we'll, when you finish flight school, when you're completely done with everything, you go do a tour where you can be deployed. And mine's in Japan. And that's when you go to your first operational squadron. And in that squadron, you have a junior officer group, um, usually of anywhere from like, you know, 15 to 25 people. And those are all the lower ranking officers. And it's our first um, operational command. And we get, by the time we leave, we get evaluations every year. And you're ranked against all the other junior officers. So you're here... And how does a friendship with them or being sincere prevent you? Like, how does it lessen your chances uh, to succeed? It doesn't. It doesn't. But um, pilots are competitive. (laughs) Where most of us have type A personalities. Um, Most of us, you're competing all through flight school. It's just constant competition, just constant competition. You're being evaluated every single day on every single flight. The pressure, if you don't check it is unreal. And, um, building friendships does not have anything. Mm. It, It doesn't, it doesn't do anything wrong for being ranked high or low or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. But as human beings, especially me, I struggle with being hyper competitive. 
Um, and I think for women, it's hard for us to show weakness to one another if we're competing against each other. And you have to kind of take a step back and be like, hey, if, if we want more women to come into this job, if we want to support each other and do well as a group, then we need to stick together as a group. And that doesn't always yeah, happen. Yeah, that goes I against... I in a lot of different jobs, not mm -hmm. just... You yeah, know, yeah, I was thinking, and not even jobs, you know, it's, I think what you're talking about is right. so familiar, <laughs> so familiar to many women who try to do it all, who, uh, you know, have a very uh, competitive career you know, uh, managers, CEOs, everything, then they come home, then they have children, then they have husbands, and then they have periods. So there's a lot of pressure from yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and we're trying, we're just trying to look like we got, we get our shit together until everything exactly. piles up and you crash. And then you're like, oh man, I can't, like, I think for me, the transformational point, and I want to ask you about the moment where you actually realize that that is not what I want. <laughs> it doesn't make me happy, for example. For me, it was the moment where I had to say that it's hard, you know, because I was trained, well, trained, I'm always trained. I was brought up as a boy where you don't complain, you don't cry, you just go for it. And yeah. feeling weak, like for me, and I have a type A personality, absolutely. My biggest fear, or, and I, I, I've done a lot of like tests, whatever. My biggest fear, and I feel most vulnerable when other people see me weak. And that was because I went through life, you know, I lost my mother when I was young and everything. And in general, when I'm with other girls, I, I tend to be the, the toughest one. You know, I tend to be the leader. And so that nature, right. like it, that's a lot of masculine energy. And so for others to see me as weak, for others to see me as, well, not weak. I don't want to call it weakness. You know, vulnerable was the yeah, hardest vulnerable. thing, was the hardest thing for me to, to go through. Just cry and say, fuck, this is hard, you know? Um, so yeah. what, what was, what was that moment for you <laughs> when you realized like, oh gosh, oh, like God. this is not like, um, yeah. I think this year has been a really a game changer for me. I, you know, and it's something so small in our community. We have check rides for different. So check ride is a test, you know, we have different level types. So even when you get to your operational squadron, you still have to earn different levels of competence in different mission sets. And you have these different levels. So we have, you know, level two, level three, and then level four, when you become a lieutenant commander and, and these levels, just, they never end trying to attain these qualifications as a pilot. And that goes for, it doesn't go just for helicopter pilots. It's pilots in the military, your qualifications, when you're done with flight school, they never end. You're constantly trying to prove yourself and get the next qualification and the next qualification. And earlier this year, um, I failed my first check ride in four years of flying. Um, I failed a check ride in January and they were like, wow, Dizzy, they call me Dizzy at work. They're like, wow, Dizzy, that was a fluke. We'll put you on for another one tomorrow. And I failed the second one. And they were like, okay, it's not a fluke. Um, is there anything going on at home? And I, and I had some things going on, but nothing that would have affected me that much. And I think that that was the first time I had failed a test, a qualification, anything since I had started flight school in 2013. So in four years, I had never once failed anything until that check ride. And 
normally people, you know, they'll fill something in flight school and it's not a big deal. You keep going on or they'll fill a test or they'll fill something small. And for me, like failure was just not an option. Um, if I wasn't acing it, if I wasn't giving it 150%, then it wasn't good enough. And failing those two check rides, I was like, oh my gosh, I am not good at this. And it had me doubting my ability as a pilot. And I called, you know, my parents and my brother. And originally I was like, oh, like it wasn't a fair check ride or I didn't think it was fair. And, you know, all this stuff and then reflecting on it, I was like, no, it was absolutely 100% fair. I just wasn't good enough on that day. Um, and it set me back. It, it had me really questioning, is this the right career for me? What could I have done better? What could I have done differently? Why do I suck so bad at this? And it's, it's so silly because it was just like one failure out of hundreds of tests and flights. Just that one made me question everything and that's when I kind of started looking at why am I doing this am I doing it because of my ego am I doing it because I love it who am I doing it for what am I trying to prove myself to and I just did some deep um soul searching and kind of just realized that I can either give up and you know walk away from this and say yeah maybe you're not good enough try and find an easy way out or I can study over and over again and do all this stuff that I don't like doing in the aircraft and freaking knock it out of the park. And thankfully, you know, my, my parents helped me bounce back and my, my brothers and I knocked it out of the park and everything was good. But it was that failure really helped me realize why I was so hyper competitive, why I was trying always to be better than people rather than trying to help people. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And so what, what did this realization um, show you in the sense that so so you are right now in Japan for how, mm -hmm. how many how many like how many how much time you've been in Japan? How long do you, do you have? And what does your job include? And for everyone listening, uh, Shelby can't disclose, um, you know, everything to us for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, so t tell me about that experience. What are you doing now? How much time you've been? And what are you? Well, how does your regular day look like? Yeah, so I've been in Japan for two years. I have one more year. Um, and yeah, everything, just so the podcast knows, everything that I'm saying is of my own opinion. Uh, it no way relates to my command or the United States Navy. It's just my own personal opinion as a human being, not as an active duty service member. Um, but we've been in Japan for two years. We have a year left. Um, every day when I'm not, uh, so I, I deploy six months out of the year in the deploy, Pacific. Deploy, what does deploy mean? So I go on an aircraft carrier for six months out of the year with my squadron. So you basically, you go, so you and your husband are right now in Japan and he's actually, he's an online entrepreneur, but he's in Japan with you because this is where you deployed. Yeah. So that means that yep. six months of the year, you, you're basically not home. You're, you're deployed in, and what does that mean deployed? Like, are you at, at sea, at a base? And what, we're what? at, yeah, mm -hmm. we're at sea on an aircraft carrier. Okay, so that's a big boat that carries helicopters and other things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a huge boat. It's a huge boat. boat. So what does it include? What, what do you do every day? I mean, I don't know how much you can, you can tell me, but what, yeah, what, what kind so, of activities are involved? 
Um, so on the carrier, you, I'll try and, I'll try and talk this through as though I'm not talking to anyone who knows about the military. Yeah. Um, (laughs) on the carrier, you have an entire air wing and that air wing composes of different squadrons with helicopters, um, fighter jets, F-18s, like we talked about earlier, all these different aircraft. So all these different aircraft are part of this air wing that goes on the carrier. And... When we're deployed, um, you as a pilot have different schedules. You could be flying a day flight or you could be flying a night flight. But as helicopters, we fly a lot of plane guard. And what that means is that whenever the jets are launching or recovering, someone from my squadron is in a helicopter flying near the aircraft carrier in case one of those jets should need to, one of the pilots should need to eject, we're there to rescue them. So that's our primary mission is a rescue platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so daily life on the carrier, like I'll just go through one. Um, I live in a very, very small room with um, five of my closest girlfriends, the only girls in the squadron. <laughs> so you're six girls in the squadron and you live on a boat pretty much. Yeah, we're six girls in the squadron, and we get our own um, room, which is actually a lot of space and really nice comparative to our sailors. So I'm not going to complain about it at all. Um, but it's it's a cool invite. It's kind of like it reminds me of living in my sorority um, back in college. So we live together in this room, and it's you know metal bunks and metal walls. Everything's made of metal because you're on a ship. And I'll wake up. Um, if I had a night flight, I'll wake up a little bit later, um, like, you know, around 8am and you go to get breakfast in the wardroom. So they cook all of our meals for us. Um, how so how is breakfast. the food? I love it. It's, <laughs> I think it's good. People are going to beg to differ. Um, for the officers, I think it's really good. Um, for the sailors, I've had some of their food. They're cooking for 5,000 people. I wish it was, I wish it was better. So Um, what do you have for breakfast? What are they cooking for breakfast? So I usually always get Mexican, it's like a Mexican fried rice. And, uh, and then I get three fried eggs and then I eat the same breakfast every morning. Fried rice, three fried eggs. Um, usually I'll get like an apple or whatever fruit they have, um, available, and then there's like sauteed onions and peppers. I'll put that on top with salsa and have a little Mexican breakfast. That, that looks, and obviously coffee or tea? Water. No, I don't drink coffee or tea. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, just water. And just so water. But many, most people have coffee. So Yeah. How many people are on the boat in total? Uh, 5,000, I think, is the public number. If you were to Google it, it's around 5,000 people. And that is, okay, so just so that I understand, that air, how do you call it, the carrier? Uh, the, the big yeah, boat. The <laughs> yeah, we call it we call it a boat. When we're deploying, we're like, all right, we're going to the boat. Um, okay, so the big boat, what carrier, is, yeah. and, and that the boat belongs to, obviously, the American military, but you are in Japan. So what is the primary, yeah. what is the purpose of this boat? And as much as you can tell me so that I understand, what are you, what are you guys doing there? Like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the so, point? Yeah. Um, so being based in Japan, we are what's called forward deployed. I think there's about thirty to 40,000 um, military personnel in Japan at the moment. And it all stems from the history from World War II. 
So we have a agreement with the Japanese that they are not allowed to have a military um, since that time period. And they can have a self-defense force. So we are integrated with the Japanese. So you have American military here, and then you have a self-defense force. So us in Japan is kind of just more of a strategic position for the United States in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Now that it makes sense. Um, so let's get back to your days. You wake up at 8 a.m. if you had a night flight. Uh, you have your Mexican breakfast with uh, three yeah. fried eggs. And what happens next? Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I'll usually go to our ready room. So if you you see like military movies or anything, there's like a room on ships where, you know, for pilots at least, where they have these chair, like big leather chairs and screens up everywhere. And that's kind of like our home base for our squadron. Um, that's where we have a couple computers for us to log on to. That's where the operations are planned and where all that kind of stuff happens. And that's where we um, pretty much all the officers convene in this place called the ready room, which is conveniently located right next to where I eat breakfast and lunch and dinner. So I am one happy girl. And what happens uh, in that room? Like you're basically monitoring and kind of seeing, looking at the situation and assessing it. Yeah, that's where we do all of our flight briefs. So we have to brief a flight every time before we go fly. So all of our flight briefs are in that space. Um, and it's kind of like our, you know, I don't want to say it's like the living room of your house, but because it's it's so much more than that. But it's the space where all the officers can congregate, get together, where our air crews can come together before a flight, um, where all of our mission planning is done, where our operations are, all that kind of stuff. It's one in one room. And every squadron has one of these on the carrier. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll go, I'll go in there, you know, check my email or see what's going on. And then after I do that, I'll usually go to my, um, my division. So I have a division of 30 sailors. Um, and I'll go check on my division, see how my sailors are doing, what they're doing that day. What do you, what do you mean by div your division? What does that mean? So as an officer, um, so you, as a pilot, you have your flying job, which is one side of it. And then as if that wasn't enough, then they give us all these ground, we call them ground jobs, other mm -hmm. responsibilities that officers have to do. They lead the sailors in the command in the squadron to accomplish everything we need to accomplish. So in our squadron, we have like 267 people and uh, I, I guess somewhere between 25 to 30 of those people are officers and the rest are enlisted. And in that you have chiefs, which are like the highest ranking enlisted. And then you have our sailors at different ranks. And sailors and are basically people who operate the, the boat the craft, and they're all part of the U.S. military in the Navy. So we call them sailors, but our sailors are actually part of our squadron, so they operate our aircraft. They take care of all of our aircraft. They do all of our maintenance. They are Without them, nothing would be done. They are everything to our squadron. And then you also have sailors, yes, that operate the aircraft carrier um, and work in different parts of the aircraft carrier. Mm, so you have like your own, so you've, you're doing the fly, flying mission, so to say, during the day or at night, but also during the day, you are leading a, a team of that. That's kind of, you take care of those people to make sure that they're doing the right jobs, like what's happening. Well, yeah. how, how does the leadership work? Like what is the 
day-to-day things that you do with them. You're kind of their 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 officer, their their cap, their boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sign all of their evaluations. I sign all the paperwork that they route up that co- comes through me. Um, and it, it really depends on, especially for us pilots, we're kind of known to be bad division officers because we've got so much going on on the flying side of the house that, you know, planning for our missions and getting our qualifications and everything else we have to take care of. And then on top of that, to have a division of sailors, it, it really is a juggling scheme. Um, and how many... Events, but- how many women and how many, how big is the group? So your squadron and how many women and men are in there? In the whole squadron or in my division? In, in your division. So in my division, I have, I think right now we're down to 29 sailors and 26 of them are men and three of them are women. Okay. Okay. So once you do that, uh, what happens next? Uh, so I'll go check in with them. And then after that, I will usually go work out from 11 to 1 p.m. every single day. If I can, I'll get my CrossFit two-hour workout in. So there is a um, gym on the on the boat and everybody goes to work out, obviously. Yeah, I wanted to ask, yeah, ask have- about the physical training that, you, that, that, that you're doing. Because like, that, that is part of the whole thing, right? Like busy, being physically fit, mentally fit and, and everything. Yeah, we have, um, there's physical standards. There's a test we take twice a year, um, that you have to pass and it's a weight. You, you get weighed, um, based upon like your height, you have to be under a certain weight. And then there's also a running push up and sit up portion. Um, so for all sailors and all officers, everyone in the Navy, they have to pass this test. So you have that very basic, I call it a very minimum standard level of fitness, um, very good starting point for someone who maybe has never worked out in their lives or given the tools to do that or been interested in it. Um, it's a very good starting point, but, um, I am super, I've drinking the Kool-Aid for the past five years of CrossFit. <laughs> I'm married to Ben who, you know, he owns Wad Prep. And so he's super into CrossFit and he got me into CrossFit Yeah, and, um, I do that on the boat and I coach a class on a CrossFit uh semi crossfit related class on the boat on the boat as well. Oh awesome. Yeah. Okay. So go work out and then usually by that point when I'm done I brief and fly after I work out and then eat dinner when you come back, debrief and rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat for six months. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the minute you said about the metal bunks and walls that gave that that kind of sent a chill up my spine. <laughs> but uh, it, it, and you know, this goes this goes back to not back, but this is all about me exploring uh, my femininity and what it is to be a woman. And then I mean, I I live such a different life to yours and in deployment, I, I guess, uh, obviously, and so many of us do. But I. Ah, man, when you were talking about this, I would just be, I don't even know how to explain it, like no color, no, like just beautiful spaces, you know, the the traditional feminine energy is all about filling up space and colors. So we get, we get creative. um, Oh, yeah, what do you do? Very creative (laughs) in our rooms. And it's not always allowed, but... um, we we have a projector that we ordered off like Amazon or something, and we hang a sheet against one wall of our room and watch movies when we when we have time. 
So we have that. I have a, my mom gave me like a, a mermaid blanket. Have you seen those? The mermaid no. blankets? Oh, you like, like put your feet in and you look like a little mermaid. <laughs> um, that's on my bed. It's the most comfortable blanket in the world. So I bring that. I can with just me imagine this like badass big boat, like a military boat. And then, you know, the camera just goes through all these holes and me- <laughs> yeah. metal, you know, metal things. And like, everything is military, everything. And then you get into this girl's room and like, it's it suddenly you're like in the, in the girl's yeah. room, like, like anywhere else where there's a mermaid blanket, when there maybe yeah. there, there are like drawings around or like music playing or <laughs> something. <laughs> exactly pretty much it yeah that we hang so out funny. christmas lights and i have pictures of ben like little i, I have an obsession with polaroids um yeah, so i hang out polaroids cool. everywhere yeah that is so. so interesting what do you guys do for fun on, on the boat because six months oh, is God. like such a long time right like you spend holidays there it, it's pretty much your life and your family and yeah. you live. i've been on a cruise 12 days and i freaking hated it i hated yeah. it i'm never gonna do it again uh, it just felt so claustrophobic for me, and I just yeah. like, oh, yeah. So what do you they, guys do? For- so the carrier for the sailors, like the carrier is really, it, it is really awesome. They have fitness classes every day, so we have a fit boss, and there's like Zumba on the boat. There's, um, it's hilarious watching people doing Zumba in the hangar bay of you know America's worship. Yeah, um, especially but men. Awesome. Yeah, no, and they do it. The men, like, they do it. They love it. Um, but it's awesome. It, you have to find ways to – it's such a high-intensity environment that if you don't find ways like that to have fun and to smile and to dance and, you know, do normal things that you would do off the boat, you you will drive yourself literally insane. Um, so they have fitness classes that, that we can do, and they have, like, bingo nights and different movies that they'll show for the sailors and stuff. And then for the officers, um, you know, we, we have movie nights sometimes in our wardroom. We'll play card games. Um, you, you, fi- you find ways. You find yeah. ways to get creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think one of the burning questions on um, every woman's mind is, um, please share with us, do you, have you ever felt less because you're a woman? Uh, obvi- I mean, that's, that's a typical question that a lot of the women get asked in uh, traditionally masculine roles and, and jobs. Have you felt like, like, how do you feel on a normal basis uh, in, this, in this deployment or th- when you were going to school through school? Did you ever feel less because you're a woman? Do the dudes treat you like another dude? I know that there's, a, like, re- there's going on recruitment for women in the military. And I guess the military is trying their best to kind of you know, enlist more and more women. Like, but personally for you, how do you feel in that role? Um, so that, that is a million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm asking it. <laughs> and I don't know how much of it you can say, you know, because no, I, I'll give you as honest of an answer as I can. And I, I might get some disgruntled, um, friends who may not agree with me, which is fine. But I think that, I think that we, you know, we're, we're a minority and, in any case, when you have a minority, and especially for women in the military, what it's been like in the past and even in the present, I see women do this all the time, they just want to blend in. 
And if you look at interviews, um, I'm definitely a feminist. Like, I'm not afraid to say it. I think everyone should be. It just means that women have equal rights and opportunity as men. That's all it means. So to say you're a feminist doesn't, it's not this crazy, like, you hate men and you only like women perspective. No, I only want equal opportunity and rights for myself because of my gender as a man gets. That's all it is. Um, So to say you're not a feminist, I think is, means that you're not for women, but to say you are a feminist does not in any way mean that you're against men. So I'll just go ahead and put that basis out there. And then to go along with what I was saying about blending in, um, a lot of women, you know, there's, there is one female pilot in our air wing, um, who is a jet pilot and she is one. And I, I don't really know her that well. I haven't had a chance to talk to her, but I would love to, I don't know how she does it because helicopter squadrons are known. We are known as a community to have more women than any of the other, um, communities of flying in the military. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because it's a team aspect. You have two pilots in the front and usually two air crewmen in the back. And so you're part of a team. So maybe it's the social aspect that attracts us. I'm not really sure. But that being said, in my command, we have six female pilots and that's a lot that blows out the 4% percentage was what it was in 2015 for pilots in the military. 4% of them were women. And that blows that out of the water. I mean, we're at like 30% in our, in our squadron, which is amazing. That's amazing. And however, out of, um, those groups of women in helicopter squadrons, I, like I told you, I've had friends that I, um, went through flight school doing this. Some of them just want to blend in. And when they get asked or interviewed about, you know, what's it like doing a military job and being a woman's man, they're like, Oh, I just put my head down, do my job. Don't want to be noticed. I just want to blend in. And I completely disagree with that. Um, and I think blending in means you're trying to be one with the guys and that's not who you are. You're just not like, I will never, I will never walk into a room when they're having a conversation about whatever dumb stuff guys talk about. I don't know. I don't know what they talk about, (laughs) but I will never walk into a room and be able to be part of that conversation and have the same thing said. As soon as I walk into that room, the conversation will stop. So the conversation will either stop or looks will be given to each other and it will shift. And and are you okay with that? Um yeah, I'm I mean I'm okay with that because at least they're being respectful with, you know, whatever they're talking about. But there's girls who just want to be one of the guys and they're like, "Oh no, it's okay if you if you talk about boobs or if you talk about the hot girl you had sex with last week. That's totally fine with me because I'm one of the cool girls." And I, and I think that's totally unfair to be labeled as a cool girl and an uncool girl based on whether or not, um, you allow men to, um, be discriminatory or talk, um, in a disrespectful manner about women. So to be labeled cool or not cool, because I disagree with someone saying something disrespectful about a woman's body or something like that, that's not right. It just isn't. And I will never be someone who says, I'm okay with that. I'm going to blend right in. And everyone in my command knows this. Like, it's not, it's not an unknown thing. Um, that is really interesting, so. Shelby. You know, I would never think that, that you would say that. And, and, I, and I see how you mean most of the women would, would blend in. And 
And it's not only military. What I find fascinating is I can relate to exactly what you're saying and so many women can because men are everywhere just like women are. And you being in a military, like in a man's word, military, it's just, it's it's a bit intensified, not a bit. It's a lot inten- more intense and intensified in the sense that there's, a, there's mostly masculine energy, like 90% of it, right? Um, yeah. But I identify with it. And I always wanted to be that cool girl that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, let's be one of the dudes, you know, like I always oh, wanted. I did too. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, a, it's not only the military. So yeah. it's, it's everywhere. But I find it, I find it so interesting that you voice your opinion and you say, no, because I am a girl. Like, as we talked in the beginning, you know, I have periods, I bleed. There's biological differences. I don't know how much you're into energy differences because I'm a big fan of polarity masculine feminine mm-hmm. dancing together for me personally that's the real partnership where we understand each other's not only biological differences but in the way we think in the way we replenish our energies how we uh, rest what we find joy and so on and so on but that's a different discussion but i find it fascinating then that, that, that you say that and you're like yeah you need to stop the conversation because i'm in the room and i am a woman and i am different well in, in, in different not in the sense of opportunities like we talked about i love your definition of feminism by the way i completely agree with it and i'm a feminist in that sense of the word but not in the sense yeah. of the word there's so many shades to feminism today and i just posted an article I, i'd be curious about what you think um Although I think it's yeah. a little bit controversial, but I've been talking to a couple of men who were like, they don't understand it. They're confused. They don't know how to behave with us girls or women. What do we want? How do they talk to us? I know that men are starting to be afraid to step up and, and be the guy and you know what I mean? Like be the man and whatever and have conversation. I find it very interesting what is happening. So for you to say that, I find it very refreshing and, and you being in the military. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a fine line, and it. I've seen it get certain women in trouble. There's a difference, I think, between being loud, like being that girl who's like, "Well, you're just not picking me because I'm a girl," or "You're just not giving me that opportunity because I'm a woman." When it's really like, "No, you're just actually not good enough." And I think there's a difference between being loud and obnoxious in that sense and complaining and playing the the woman card and being mm. constructive with it but not being, but not blowing it under the rug. And I've had, I've blown it under the rug many times at my current command. And it's, um, it's something I don't want to do anymore, but there's, you know, I call my dad every time I get frustrated and he's like, you know, sweetie, you have to understand, you know, it's a man's world. It just is. And it sucks. And I know you can do this. And, and I tell him, I'm like, some of the stuff I've experienced, I don't, I can understand why there aren't a lot of female admirals or female higher ranking officers because they hit 10 years and they're just sick of it. They're like, I don't want to put up with it anymore. I don't want to pioneer it. It's too freaking difficult. I want to have a family. I want to do these things that the military won't allow. And it's just, it's, mm-hmm. um, so it gets what are, hard. What are some of the hardest thing that you find? Like when you say, um, I want to do the things that military won't allow. One of the things I know that Ben, we had a discussion with Ben and he told me that you actually can't get pregnant, have a family as, as, as you're deployed. So tell me about these things that you are not allowed and, and women are sick of, and they're just saying, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the Navy is trying, it's a slow process, you know, it's, it's government. They're trying their hardest 
to make things better for us. But because we blend in, we want to blend in, change comes very, very slow. And one of the things, a lot of reason women go helicopters is because you can fly up until, I think it's like five months pregnant. I'll have to research it. But you can fly. You can choose to fly and up to like four or five months pregnant, and it's legal. Other communities, you cannot do that. However, um, the other side of it is if you get pregnant, if I were to get pregnant right now, even though I'm married and it's completely accidental, um, it would ruin my career. My, if I were to get pregnant while I was at an operational command, people would probably say behind my back, she's trying to get out of deployment. She doesn't want to do this anymore. I can't believe she was that irresponsible. Why wasn't she on birth control? Cause I don't, I don't take birth control. Um, I refuse to take birth control and I've had flight docs tell me you really need to take this. You're being unsafe. And I'm like, no, it's my body. I don't want to put that stuff in it. If I accidentally get pregnant with my husband, then we're just going to have to figure something out. But I refuse to be told that I have to take birth control because you know, it'll ruin my career. Um, which it will, if you're at an operational command and you get pregnant, you can't be for deployed and you're going to have to go back to San Diego or California or wherever. And then it's just, you know, it put, it puts a, it leaves a bad mark on your career. It's hard to come back after that. Now the Navy does allow you times to get pregnant. There's different programs you can do that they're trying to come up with to get pregnant, but they're still not great options. So, and I'm sure some people are going to listen to this and be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about because she just doesn't know about these programs and that program and this and that. <laughs> a lot of those programs, you owe time on the back end, And there's a, there's other things behind the curtain that they don't always publicize when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, that's definitely one of the limitations. Um, mm-hmm. is it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to have a family. And how is it hard, um, emotionally? Because you say you cry a lot, right? Like, what are some of the... (laughs) Is it the intensity? Um, Is it the... Well, I I understand when you say the constant competition, the constant um, push to to be better, to be evaluated, that is primarily a masculine-driven... Uh, that's testosterone. That's what that's yeah. what get, that's what makes my husband get up in the morning, and that's what doesn't yeah. get me get up in the morning because I've studied yeah. the differences energetically. That's not something that makes me happy. Uh, although yeah. in the past, as you said, I thought that's exactly what I want, but at this point in my life, I'm like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> you know. So, uh, what what is it, and how do you deal with it? Uh, cry by cry by crying and what else how how else do you deal with it yeah um really hard runs <laughs> i had one of my air crew the other day be like ma'am i saw you running your dogs outside you were like sprinting the entire time and i had come home from a bad day with a lot of frustration pertaining to this subject and i just needed to go, you know, sprint my little heart out. So that's one way. But, um, yeah, I think what causes, what causes it, you know, sometimes it could be a comment sometimes. And I have to say my command is amazing. Like, I'm going to say that right now. They're amazing. My skipper is amazing. My XO is amazing. All of my leadership above people? me. Skipper and XO? They're like the president and vice president of your squad of, a, of your squadron. So basically, your bosses, yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing, and they're 
um, very supportive of women. And, um, most of, most of the people in the squadron are, they're amazing. But that being said, and something I even learned about myself this year, I learned I was sexist, um, against women. I was trying to find a personal trainer to get, uh, to become more competitive at CrossFit. I wanted a virtual, um, trainer to program for me. And I went to the websites and there were just as many options of women as men. And for two hours, I only clicked on the male profiles because I thought they were better. And I realized that at the end of clicking through these profiles and was like, Oh my gosh, I am, I am internally sexist. When I go to a source, when I want to find information, I always go to a man. I don't go to a woman. And, and I realized that about myself. And I think in the squadron, that's something on men and women we need to learn about ourselves is the, it, of no fault to our own. It's just a society. It's how it's been for, you know, the past 2000 years. It's a man's world. That's how it's been for the past, you know, 2000 years. And as a society, I think it's on us to realize those conditions and to stop them. So, you know, at work, there's times where I've been called a glorified secretary as a joke. I've been called, um, you know, I've been called a bitch. I've been called, I've been called lots of things because I have a very aggressive and strong personality, which is fine, but it's not okay for you to say that about me in front of my sailors. And that's happened before too. Um, and there's Mm. just, you know, things like that that have happened that can be really frustrating things when you notice that women are being asked to do more secretarial tasks at work, um, rather than men for a year and a half, like women are given the same job over a man and taking that job. Um, I worked with someone who, and I'm probably going to get flack for this, but I, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I worked with someone who told me if we have any more women come to this squadron, I'm going to lose my shit. Women don't belong in the workplace. Wow. And he was a peer and I was just like, holy crap. You know, and it's just that. And and guys at the table laugh. They laugh. They think it's a joke. It's not a freaking joke. It's not a joke how you make me feel at the workplace, whether I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Asian. It doesn't matter. It's not a joke. It's not funny. And, you know, people joke about being politically correct. Oh, we always have to be politically correct. We can't have fun anymore. That's not it. It's just about being a decent human being. Like, that's really all it is. You just have to be a decent human being and respect people. Um, so it's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the hard stuff to talk about, right? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of it going on in the corporate world and, and, and all of that. But I think in your position, it's intensified to the degree of 10, if not 100, because, you know, you, you, you're not, you don't want to blend in because you realize you are a woman and there are differences, right? But at the same time, you are in the military where there's, there's a certain, um, how, how can I say it? There's a, there, the rules, the rules to play. There's a, you know, chain yep. of command. There's a structure to it. And I mean, personally, for me, women in war play the roles and everything, but there's something, and we were talking about this with my husband, and I'm curious what you think about this. There's studies or 
you know, see, like I, I'm not sure if I'm, I would be able to, 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 to pull the trigger, um, unless it's protection of my family, then I think I would. But to go into roles like war for me is such a foreign concept as a woman, because I can't, I just mm-hmm. can't imagine myself unless, as I said, um, we can, personally, I think that we as women can do everything that men can. We can do it in the sense that we, <laughs> do you know what I mean? In the sense that ability. Yeah. Yeah. We have the physical ability. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, I can't, obviously I can't lift as much at some point unless I become a, a CrossFit junkie like you. <laughs> yeah. But at the same, you do know what I mean? But I don't want to. Uh, that's not, that's not what I would do. And I know that, like, what was that movie with a sniper? I think American Sniper, right? Um, where men have a hard time pulling the trigger as well in certain situations. But it just feels like in the specific situation where there is danger and, you know, a lot of this hard stuff, uh, to me, it seems like men, and I believe it, that they are just a little bit more equipped to, to do that than us. And sometimes it's necessary. And the military provides that, you know, that is the space for it. And as a woman, as and, and you're saying you are there to do the same job um, and you qualify to be there and everything and you are not trying to blend in, but you still are doing a, 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 a man's job in a way. Do you know what I mean? In, cons, cons, in, um, in the rules. Uh, but you are being called a bitch for it because you are a girl, you know? So that's well, what I find I'm, really I'm interesting. Aggr- I'm an aggressive girl. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I have, I have differing opinions on that. I, I, the whole woman in combat thing, I don't actually know if I agree with it. Um, and there's probably women who are like, how can you say all this and be so for women and then say they don't belong in combat? But like you said, we physically, we are Physically, do we have the ability to do the same things as most men? Yes, absolutely. We have the ability. We have the mental strength. We have all of that. However, there are limitations. Um, emotionally, we are different. Like my husband and I see it as night and day. I think I get offended or I think of different things in different ways and he just doesn't think it's a big deal, you know? And and physically, we're different. We aren't meant to have gigantic muscles. Like, that's not what we're meant to do. That's what I would love. I would love to have gigantic muscles, and I'm trying to get them. But it doesn't come natural to my body, and I have to work really, really hard for it. And I think in that sense, women need to accept that we are different. We're not the same. Does that mean we should be given the same opportunities? Absolutely. But every single opportunity, you know, is my, is my brother, my little brother weighs, you know, 50 pounds more than me and is taller than me and is stronger than me going to be able to carry an 80 pound rucksack farther than me. Yeah, he is like, he physically is going to, even if I trained harder than him, um, maybe then I would be able to beat him one day, maybe, but he physically right now is going to be able to beat me. And for you to not say that is just absurd, you know? And I think that, yeah, I would say I have to agree with you on that. We, but we can be used. We can use those differences as a strength, like women being able to talk to women in the middle East and having them open up to them. Like men can't do that. That's not a thing men can do. 
But women, when they see the long hair, you know, you take off your cover and they see the hair, the women are like, she's like me. I can relate to her. I can talk isn't to her. Isn't that her amazing? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that side of it truly is amazing and powerful and that should be used. Um, but it's not like that for everything. And, and there's some things that Ben, my amazing husband, he is stronger at than I am. And there's some things I'm stronger at than he is. And that's okay. We don't have to be mentally, physically, and psychologically the exact same just because we're the same race. We are different. Yeah. Um, and there's the, the, this constant competition. Um, yeah. And it's not only in the military. I find it fascinating that we are talking about things that I can relate to. And you obviously have such a different experience for me. And I, you know, I've done a couple of jobs in the corporate world and, and not only, but I, I relate to you on, on, on such a deeper level, you know, just being a woman that we can talk about these things. And I really appreciate that you're sharing that. Um, so Shelby, I want to ask you just a couple more questions and um, sure. um, about, so let's talk about, you know, family and children. Um, as mm -hmm. you, you've, you've touched upon the fact that you're terrified of getting pregnant. Um, you are <laughs> yeah. considering, uh, some, at some point adoption, um, and your husband, how is your relationship with your husband in the sense that I know, I know actually he's very supportive of what you're doing. And I was wondering, and now, now that I talked to you for about an hour about these things, now I see how you guys are in, like, I, I, I can see the dynamic between the two of you because I was thinking about him, right? Because it's, it's mostly men, when men are in the military, you know, the, the woman is the yeah. one who is at home and, and, you know, all these things. Yeah. And so there's kind of a role reversal or role switch here. But at the same yeah. time, you know, I've met Ben, your husband, and usually, well, not, I don't want to generalize again, but traditionally, if a woman is in a very masculine role like you are, the man tends to um, tends to take on more, you know, home responsibilities, and so the dynamic mm -hmm. kind of shifts. So, how it is in your family, and how, we, how is it hard? Is it okay? Is it like how are you feeling about this whole dynamic? Um, it's hard. I mean, I would be lying to you if I said it wasn't, and he would agree with me. He know, like that man. Like I, it's hard for him. Um, just like I'm a minority being a, you know, female pilot in the military, Ben is a minority being a male spouse. Um, mm -hmm. and it hits him in a totally different way. And we've been married for about three years now and he had a very difficult time with it in the beginning. Um, as did I, our expectations, we did premarital counseling. We did all things you should do. And of course, you know, the first year of marriage is just, you know, it's a nightmare. It just is. Um, and we were moving and he was getting used to being a military spouse and I was getting used to getting ready for a move to Japan and all this stuff was going on. And he was a trooper. And, uh, when I, we came out to Japan, people assume he sits at home and doesn't do anything. <laughs> They're like, yeah, like a traditional oh, can, spouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, can Ben go pick up my mail or can Ben help do this with my car? Can Ben help me with this? Or, well, well, Ben just works for himself. He can take time. He can, you know, he can do this or every, you know, Ben was never put first. It's like, what, well, can't Ben just do it? He doesn't do anything. And I'm like, Jesus, like my husband works. It's not a traditional job. He owns his own business. He still has to work. He works more hours than you and I do. He works 15 hours a day. He's responsible for paying his employees. Like he, he is not a sit at home military spouse. 
And in Japan, a lot of women are forced to leave their jobs back in the States and they can't find a job here. So that's what people's yeah. expectations are. Or when they first meet me, they're like, they're, they always assume Ben is the one in the military. If we go to a party or we go somewhere, they're like, oh, so what's it like being a pilot? And they talk to Ben and he's like, I don't know, that's her. <laughs> that's and hilarious. I, I understand. I hate that. I hate it so much, but I, it's my biggest pet peeve when people assume the males in the military, but I understand it. It's because that is the traditional role. And mm -hmm. it's something we've learned to cope with. And he's been amazing. Like this week, like I was flying until 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, every single night. And I said to him, I was like, I'm exhausted when I come home. I can't do dinner. You're going to have to make me dinner. And he freaking sucked it up and made dinner every single night and had it waiting for me when I was home. And that's, you know, that's humbling for him. Or if I need the house cleaned or if I need him to do something or go grocery shopping, something that isn't natural for a man to do, he, you know, he does it. He just, he does it. And it's taken us a while to find that balance. But, um, I think we're finally at a point where we're realizing he does so much for me. And I, I forget when I come home from a deployment, he's cooked for himself for six months. He's walked the dogs twice a day for six months. He's cleaned the house for six months. He's done everything for six months. And I come home from a deployment. I'm exhausted and expect him to, you know, to be your wife. Skin, but yeah. And he's like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I think it's been a really good realization for both of us to see what the other person goes through because we don't, we don't have typical roles and, and it's hard for him. Like there's people at my command who've made some pretty rude comments, kind of like, well, you know, your husband doesn't really have a job. You're the one that provides. I'm like, that's not true at all. Just because they don't, one, they don't know what internet entrepreneurism is. They don't know how lucrative it is. Yeah. And two, I guess they just assume that my husband sits at home because he has his office in our house. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I guess I just want a, a thought come into my mind, you know, um, a lot of the men in the military, because it requires them to be in a certain mindset, I would say, in a certain in an ability to and, and you know, there's the there's a pretty hardcore skill set you got to have to be in the military and to be successful because of all the things we talked about. So a lot of these men, I, I assume, to do the job that they need to do, they're not a lot of quote-unquote conscious men. I don't want to men, uh, make a generalization, but uh, I don't know yeah. with how many military men I can talk about masculine, feminine energy. And I can talk about... Yeah. You, you do, do you know what I mean? Like, And, and yeah. in itself, that's a natural thing. And again, I don't want to generalize everybody listening and maybe thinking like she has no freaking idea what she's talking about. That is true. That is absolutely my assumption. But I, but I guess that is exactly kind of this, like you just need, if, if somebody tells you to shoot, you need to shoot. And there's no time sometimes to, to think or to analyze things to a deeper level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why yeah. a lot of these men, they would make certain comments, assumptions of like, oh, you know, you're the one provide judgments and stuff like that. So the, the level of, let's say, personal growth development and then going deeper into feminine masculine energy you know all of this is probably very yeah not talked just not talked about because of the nature yeah. of and i'm and i'm truly grateful for these people you know i was thinking about it what it takes to to serve your country 
um, I, I obviously I, I can't because the U.S. military is different to a lot of the military. Like in my country, you know, Eastern Europe, most of these countries, uh, you don't serve in the military in that sense. Like we're not right. pat- patriotic. I honestly, I don't know what patriotism is because I come from a country that I'm that I'm not proud of, and I and I actually yeah. left and I don't live there for ten years. So when and I know Americans are so passionate about it, and I really admire it, and I. And I wish I could feel what it feels like to be pet- so patriotic that you dedicate your life to serving your country. And especially as a woman, that's like taking it to the next level. I would never know what it means. Um, you know, so so I find that, well, I'm just digressing a little bit. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. just wanted to share that. that that's really, really interesting. Um, yeah. How is the dynamic? So, Shelby, that's really interesting what you talked about, Ben. So you know, about your dynamic in the relationship. So now that you've, uh, let's circle back to the beginning of the interview where you said, um, you know, you realized in the last year or two that why you've been doing this, your primary motivation, you got there and you, you talk about your failure and then you kind of got up and are doing this. You still have one year in Japan. Uh, do you think there's going to be any changes after, after a year in terms of your career, in terms of your future? And I just want to say you're very young to, like you're, you're 26, you know? So I'm just thinking, gosh. I feel like I'm so old. <laughs> I know. I, I've been feeling like I'm, I'm 29 myself. I'm not even 29 yet. I'm going to be 29 in about two months. But yeah. to be thinking that you're just 26 and you're realizing all of these things on a deeper level, like the fact that we're just discussing it um, is a very, like we're talking about the ego, right? And uh, yeah, at 26, I wasn't able to do that. But you, it's just incredible. I feel like your story is, is such an interesting story that is probably different to a lot of women in the military and a lot of them. And I know when you said like you, you want to talk about this and a lot of women would disagree with you, I I congratulate you for it because I'm pretty much kind of doing the same thing in the, in the whole feminism yeah. uh, movement in a way because I feel like it's important to talk about this. So w- what do you think would change for you if anything after? Because obviously you've got to finish this deployment, right? You've got another year. Uh, anything that you and Ben think that, you know, would, would change after a year? Um, so we're we're trying to figure that out right now, what our next step is and it's hard. Like you, when you make the decision to be a pilot at 18 or, you know, I did ROTC, which means I went to college. And at the same time I was in college, I was doing military training so that I could commission as an officer. And I made that decision at like 18 and that is freaking young. And when you select pilot at age 22, you sign up for 10 years. So my life is this until 2023. Wait, so you, you um, don't have a ch- choice? Or? No, it's a commitment. So they flight school is expensive. Um, we are worth a lot of money as pilots to the U.S. military. And so once you finish flight school, you have an eight-year commitment that you have to serve. So you didn't pay um, for your school, the military did, and therefore... It's your oh, commitment. No, I, paid, I paid for I paid for my school. <laughs> Wait, what? You paid for your school and then yeah. you, you got to commit eight years? That's how, that's how badly I didn't pick up a scholarship because at my school they did they ran out of them and that's how badly I thought I wanted to be a pilot. And like I said, I thought I had something to prove, so I even paid for my own school and still did it. So wait, uh, what if you don't want to do this anymore? Like tomorrow, you you just can't. 
you don't have that option. No, you're obligated to finish out your service commitment of eight years. I think I know an option. So, you just get pregnant. <laughs> and so, and that's why, I mean, that's why that, you know, like I said before, some people, oh my God, that's even, though, so funny. even though I'm married, if, you know, some people get pregnant to get out of deployments and it's wow. that's a horrible thing to do, but that's what some women do. And that's why, you know, it gives us a bad rep is to have that mindset, wow. but you better Even work. Though, you better work on that fear, Shelby. Yeah. Even though um, I've got about six more years left, I my husband did an incredible thing this summer, and he sent me to TED Global in mm -hmm. Tanzania, uh, Tanzania, Africa. And everyone there was like, "What are you doing here? Like, you're military. TED and military don't really go together. What? What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I'm trying to figure out what I want to do when you know I'm." I'm done with this portion of my life because it's, it's a stepping stone to me. And I made the decision when I was young and half of me wants to make it a career for the simple fact that I don't want to have a daughter one day and have her have to go through some of the stuff that I've gone through. And I've seen my friends go through. I, I would hate for to have a daughter and have her, come home and be so upset or be so far away from me and have to call me crying about certain things that I've experienced or that I've seen my friends experience. Um, and part of me wants to stay in because of that and take it as far as I can. And the other part of me wants to humble myself and my ego and say that, that taking it, you know, as far as you can in a military career as a woman, maybe isn't for me. Um, I think that Ben and I have a real heart for, we realized we we're privileged growing up. We wouldn't be where we were if it wasn't for our parents, how they raised us and what they provided us. And if you took another girl from a third world country and put her in my family, in my shoes, she would have accomplished just as much as me. It's naive to say anything else. Um, so that being said, Ben and I want to make our, our mission, you know, to, to be, parents to kids to give them a platform that maybe they wouldn't have had in their life um, and be able to go do whatever they want. But if they don't have that opportunity, they can't do it. And we want to have the means to give them an opportunity to be able to do what I've done, even if it's not my end all be all. So hmm. interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, this is some hard stuff. You know, I'm, um, I'm feeling emotional because I, I feel you as, as, as another woman. You know, um, and that's just such a, such a raw, like we're just connected because on, based on gender, I find ah. it funny. Um, well, not funny, but, but really interesting. Um, do you have a choice? So let's say it's, it's a year in Japan. What would happen next? So let's say you are, well, not let's say, but you are staying in the military for, you have to stay for another six years. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are the, what are some options that you can, uh, do so like so, do you have yeah. a choice where you go do you have a like can you come home and yeah mm -hmm. yeah you, you can put in um you rank the next jobs that you'd want to go to and for your career to progress as um as the navy would want it to they would want you to go be an instructor back in flight school mm -hmm. so you would go instruct and produce more pilots it's called a production job um, and that would keep you <laughs> on what we call, it sounds so great, doesn't it? A production <laughs> so job, fixing. producing it's humans. Production job. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we'd stay on what's called the yellow brick road that the Navy has laid out for us. They have this wonderful yellow brick road. And if you want to be a successful officer, you will follow that road for the next 20 years. And, you know, I tell Ben all the time, I'm like, I was never one to be made to forced to walk on a road. So mm-hmm. I would be the one walking off the road into the forest. Um, so there's, there's other things you can do. Um, you can do tours in different countries after this. It's called my short tour where I won't deploy. I can go be an instructor at a university um, for a Navy ROTC unit, which is the program I went through. Um, you can go, there's, you know, a bajillion different jobs you can do. It just depends on whether you want your career to progress or if you plan on getting out in 2023. Mm-hmm. But being an instructor shouldn't be that bad because you'd live like in the same country at least and basically it's a, it's an office job in a way you don't you don't fly that yeah, much but you teach fly, well you fly a lot actually that's all you do is fly oh because you teach right, right okay in, okay sorry because i thought it was theory i thought it was mostly theory, yeah but yeah okay yeah you instruct them in the helicopter okay um, wow so yeah well, all right we'll, well see. we'll see we'll see what happens uh this has been yeah. incredible uh but we we have one last section to talk about shelby don't want to keep you too long <laughs> It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Do you have a morning routine that keeps you productive and fulfilled? Uh, yes. So I wake up between 5.30 and 6. I go to my kitchen. I put two scoops of protein powder and one scoop of dextrose in a protein shake. What's, uh, what's gra- the other scoop? What's that? Dextrose. Yeah. It's a type of sugar. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's just a, I don't even know what it does. My husband just tells me to take it. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, for muscle building because you guys are crossfitters, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We uh, we go to the gym from f- anywhere between like 5.30 to 7.30. We'll go to the gym or from flying nights until like 8.30. And then come back from the gym, make myself breakfast and head into work. But wait, so, but you say six months how do you head into work? I thought you, you, you go That's when I'm home. That's when I'm home. Okay. But, but so, uh, so wait, when you're home, you also go to work. You just don't oh, yeah. do anything yeah. for, Oh, cause I thought you go for six months, live in a boat, then you come home and you, you don't do anything for another six months. Wow. That'd be so nice. <laughs> okay. Well, that was an assumption I just made. Cause I'm like, you were deployed away so from nice. family. <laughs> you know, for six months and then you get six months yeah. to just stay at home and everything, you know? No. So you no. actually come I'm, back to like, you know, with Ben and then you had to work to, to an office or flying? Like, what do you do? Yeah, we, we have a offices in a hangar with all of our, so our aircraft all come off of the boat and they're on, um, I live on an airfield and the aircraft are all in the airfield and I'll still fly, you know, three to four times a week and do my division officer duties oh, and ground. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well that that kind of changes everything in my mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um okay. All right. I'm like I don't know what to say, Shelby, and possibly we should just move on because I can say something <laughs> to you after. Uh, okay, do you have any apps on your phone or in your laptop? And it was so funny because, like, Ben, your husband was setting up our Skype call and the mics, and you said you're ter- terrible with technology. And I told you, gosh, 
you fly a freaking freaking helicopter that I just saw in the picture. That's a beast. And like you have a little bit of a problem setting up Skype. I just yeah. thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So do you have yeah. any apps that you use that, that you love? And- um, yeah. So I listen to NPR. That's one of my favorite apps is the NPR app because it gives you good, good quality information. So I like that one. Uh, Instagram, as we talked about, is another go-to. I love my Instagram. Um, and then third one is probably, oh, let's see, my fitness pal. I record, Ben just started me on using my fitness pal like a month ago. That's where, an app? Yeah, it's an app where you can record your, what you eat. Um, so if you want to, you know, build muscle or lose weight or whatever, you can record your macronutrients and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really good app too. Mm, awesome. Thank you. And are there any people yeah. that, people and websites that you follow online for like inspiration or fun or anything like that? Um, yeah. So we are building a camper van. So I've got like a bajillion camper van dogs. I think one's called the Van Dog Traveler. Um, that's one guy that I follow. And then I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of blogs. Actually, I like your website a lot. Ah. Listen to podcasts. Thank you. Um, yeah, I get really overwhelmed on blogs. So yeah, yeah. I tend to, I tend to just do cooking websites (laughs) more than uh, anything else for relaxation, I suppose. Yeah, and kind of just yeah. switching off. Yeah, so I, I can see that. Cool. And uh, what are some books that you can recommend to for us to read? Ooh, okay. Um, so, well, this doesn't count as a book. National Geographic magazine. Like, I get that every month. My husband mails it to me on the boat. I freaking love it. It's amazing. And it's the best magazine in the world. And I got to meet some of the photographers of that magazine at Thai Global. So that was cool. Oh, really? And cool. Then, yeah, for books, um, The Alchemist is probably one of my favorite books that I read last year. Um, they Poured Fire on Us from the Sky is a book about the Civil War in Sudan. That's really good. And Ego is the Enemy. I read that one real quick um, as a suggestion from Ben. So that one was really good, too. I love it. Awesome. And uh, last question for this interview is what would you like to be written on your tombstone? What would I like to be written on my tombstone? So there, um, there is a quote we have in our house. And I forget, it's from a poem or a book or something. But it pretty much says, what is it you wish to do with this one precious and wild life? And that's kind of what I try and live by. Um, so I think that'd be cool to have that on my tombstone for other people to see. Mm, I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Shelby, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, this thanks was, for having me. This was, was fun. fascinating and uh, pleasantly surprising, I should say, because I was like, Whew, getting on my testosterone. Let's go. Let's go. Men's world. I'm going to talk to a badass woman. Uh, and this, this turned out to be a really, really interesting conversation. And uh, I just want to say from all the women listening that I find it incredibly, um, I just find it fascinating. And I want to thank you for, for sharing this 
message because I think a lot of, our, of us has certain assumptions and how things are, how things should be. We all relate to you on a different level um, based on our experiences, things that you talk about. Um, just know that, you know, I'm, I'm just proud to be releasing this episode um, for women to listen, make their own conclusions, support you, know that you're not alone, um, that we yeah. are, we're here with you. And um, I, yeah, I feel everything you're saying and, and I, and I could feel your, your pain and frustration. And as I said, it's not only in the military, it's, it's, every, it, it's not everywhere, yeah. but it's in a lot yeah. of places. Um, and, uh, yeah, just want to thank you. Say hello to Ben. Have a, have a good day. I and absolutely I, will. Yeah, Thanks so much. And I hope that you will find, you will come to the point where you, I'm sure you'll find the way that, that works best for you and you will inspire a lot of women in the process and, and make a change. Yeah, I hope so. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> thank you. Have a good one. How cool was this episode with Shelby, the U.S. Navy military helicopter pilot? Oh my gosh, I'm still like buzzing from our conversation and, and the, you know, the gems, the wisdom that she shared. Super incredible. Uh, so if you've enjoyed this episode and took some valuable lessons from it, which I know you did, I'd like to ask you to give back and charge your karmic energy by sharing this episode with a girlfriend who maybe is, is uh, herself in one of those tough jobs and is facing similar uh, challenges as Shelby does or maybe she's been talking to you about you know changing the course of her career because she realized she went into it for the wrong reasons personally I think this interview will be a great benefit to any woman out there so share it away so if you could right now share this episode straight from your podcasting app with three top of your girlfriends or simply send them to girlskill.com slash 29 and trust me me and her will be forever grateful uh, because I think this conversation with Shelby needs to be shared like crazy <laughs> all right so um that's it for this episode and if you haven't managed to take note of all the tools and resources shall be mentioned in the episode no worries you can get them straight um at girlskill.com slash 29 in the show notes all the links are there and everything you need okay have an awesome week of running with the wolves and i'll see you on the next episode bye Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.